Let's begin with uh, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we we gather here today to remember Dave and to say goodbye one more time. Father, we ask that your, your peace and your comfort and your presence be with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Amboy Baptist Church. I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Bob, and uh, I would like to thank uh, each of you uh, for being here today. And I know that for many of you, today is a difficult day. It's a difficult day because God created us to have relationships with one another. And when those relationships are lost, it hurts. Right? It hurts a lot. But I'm here to tell you, even in the hurt, we can still find peace. Even in the hurt, we can still have hope. And that's cause for celebration. And that's what we are going to do today. We are going to celebrate. And I want to set the stage, so to speak, with the reading of a poem entitled The Dash. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between the years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent life on earth. And now only those who love them Know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our cash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? 
For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. Be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? That's what we want to celebrate today. Dave's dash. Dave's life. And on behalf of the family, I want to begin reading something they've prepared. Dave's day of infamy was April the 14th. 1951. He was born in Reading, Pennsylvania to Arthur in Anime Wood. They grew up in the Pocono Mountains where he really enjoyed groundhog hunting. During Dave's childhood, his parents worked at the Philadelphia Boys and Girls Camps where Dave loved working with his dad and loved playing pranks on the campers. I could see that. In 1969, Dave graduated high school. And during his high school years, he was intrigued by the We Are Experiencing Technical Difficulty Notices that occasionally popped up during television programs. He became very interested in what happened behind the scenes in these programs, especially as it pertained to the electronic equipment. And so Dave went to college and graduated from Bob Jones University in 1973 with his bachelor's degree in broadcast engineering. Dave was very shy with girls. I'm having a hard time with this one. <laughs> Let me just repeat that, make sure I read that right. Dave was having a was very shy with girls even up into college. However, he befriended this gal in college named Gail and eventually worked up enough nerve to ask her for a date. Dave fell in love. So much so that he took Gail groundhog hunting <laughs> to experience his childhood joy. That's love. I don't know what love is. That's love. 
And the rest is history. They married on August the 4th, 1973. During Dave's senior year in college, he got his first job at a startup TV station. And later he was hired in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the PBS station. In his 11 and a half years at PBS, he also worked for the World Wrestling Federation. In 1980, Dave went on to start his own business. But a lot happened during that time with the loss of his parents and the economy crashing. As a result, Dave and Gail made their decision to move their family of seven kids to Washington State to be near Gail's family. And a year later, they added an eighth child to the family. If you talked today, he would say that time in his life was his midlife crisis. He moved to Washington. When he moved to Washington, Dave worked for Vancouver Ford, Prudential Real Estate, and Radio Shack. In 1994, Dave made a huge career change and became a video production teacher for the Battleground School District, as well as an occasional security guard. Dave also worked at Summit View High School, teaching a, a personal finance class, Falcons transitions, and on-the-job training, all the while continuing video production at the school district, where he retired after 24 years of teaching. Over the years, Dave tried many things. He owned Big John Septic, and had his children involved in the business as well. He said, Dave said, families that pump together stay together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eventually he sold the business and tried to invent a few things, including a fishing lure called the kitchen sink. Apparently, this was a, a lure that you would use when you have tried everything else but the kitchen sink. Apparently, Dave loved fishing. He just wasn't any good at it. Hence the need for the kitchen sink fishing lure. After retirement, Dave became a door dasher, prompting his nickname throughout Battleground as Dasher Dave. Throughout his life, Dave was involved with various ministries within the church. He loved being a song leader. He was a deacon, a youth leader. He helped with sound systems, taught Sunday school, and he led men's groups. Essentially, he made himself available wherever he was needed. Dave was a servant of God, a wonderful husband, Father, grandfather, great-grandfather, uncle, brother, and son. He was a teacher, a friend, a hard worker, and a mechanic when he had to be. As a school teacher, he referred to himself 
with laughter as Mo, master of excellence. And at home, he was the jack of all trades, master of none. Dave loved camping, exploring, boating, and ODT. ODT. Which stands for Oreo Dipping Time. He enjoyed collecting and shooting guns, watching homesteading TV shows, and then working to implement what he learned on his own property. He found joy in visiting with his kids and their families. And wherever he went, he was sure to make a funny or dramatic scene to get a laugh. Dave lived his life to the fullness and sought to honor God with integrity, joy, and excellence in all that he did. The impact of Dave's life will continue for generations because of who he was and how he chose to live his life. Dave is survived by his wife of 48 years, Gail C. Wood. Eight children, Christine Thatcher, Scott Wood, Stacy Jarvis, Stephanie Osterbauer, hope I said that right. Yes. Thank you. Valerie Rogers, Tyler Wood, Lindsay Clark, Jessica Futrell, and their spouses. 23 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. He will be truly missed. That was a, a great tribute today. So thank you, family. But as we all know, what I just read was just the tip of the iceberg, right? We know that. That was just a brief snapshot of Dave's life. And with that said, there are a few others, a few others here, who would like to share their own thoughts about Dave. So I would like to first invite Officer Phil Anderson to come up and say a, a few words about Dave's impact in the community. Officer Anderson. Hello. I'm Phil Anderson. I'm a police officer at the Battleground Police Department, and I'm honored to have been considered and to consider Dave a friend. I've been asked to read a couple of statements from former students, and I think you'll see some of the things said here. Um, they just speak loudly to who Dave is. I don't have a name for the first student, but let me read this. I just wanted to say I'm extremely sorry for your loss. Mr. Wood was one of my teachers my senior year of high school. I grew very close with him and always had a great time. We always joked around together and played pranks. He was a great teacher and a great friend to me. He made my senior year even more memorable. He was always happy and fun to be around. Me and my friend definitely pushed his buttons from time to time, no doubt, but he always took it well 
and made class fun and something to look forward to. He was by far one of my favorite teachers. Words cannot describe his impact on my high school experience. The world lost a truly great man. You and your family are in my thoughts and prayers. The second, also from another former student, is actually one of my partners at Battleground Police Department. He's the other school resource officer. I just wanted to pass on how much your dad meant to me. He was my favorite teacher, common theme, during my senior year in high school, 1997. He really impressed upon me professionalism and how the real world works. I saw him several times after high school throughout the years, and he always remembered me, which really meant a lot to me. I am so sorry for your loss, Officer Thomas. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. I believe there are a couple of grandkids who would like to share something about their, their granddad. If you don't know me, my name is TJ, and uh, I am the son of my father, which is uh, whom my father is the son of uh, my grandfather. And uh, I am the oldest in uh, the grandkids of uh, the woods. And um, uh, this is Isaiah. Uh, he's the second oldest of the grandkids. And um, this is uh, James, and he's the third oldest grandson. And, um, you know, there's 23 grandkids, and and two great grandkids, um, and so there's a lot. There's a lot of lives that have been touched, um, and um, that uh, that our grandfathers uh, uh, touched their lives. Um, and so, just with us three, uh, we'd like to kind of uh, give you kind of an insight of who Grandpa was to us. Um, and when I think of Grandpa, uh, I think. The biggest part of, of Grandpa was uh, camping, and camping was a big part. Uh, part of that was was food, a lot of food. I don't know if it was like this for all of uh, the grandkids, but uh, when Grandpa and I would camp, there was a lot of meals, and it was two breakfasts. The first breakfast would have consisted of uh, in the middle of the lake with uh, coffee and donuts while we're sitting there eating our breakfast on still water. Um, he's sitting on in the boat with his binoculars looking at the hillside uh, at Campers Hideaway, seeing what uh, the rich folks were up to in the morning. And, um, and after our two breakfasts, you have lunch and you have two dinners and you have a dessert in between each dinner. You know? Um, and then after all that, you have you know, three snacks that you fit throughout the day. And um, most of those snacks and desserts were uh, a lot of ODT, which um, you heard what ODT is, or you did time. I think as grandkids, that's probably another thing we'll see um, or remember uh, Grandpa was Oreos. <laughs> and uh, um, I think every time I look at an Oreo and I, I eat it now, it's like, uh, I'll, I'll think it's <laughs> um uh, in between all that eating, <laughs> uh, we, we all we always got in um, 
we always got in time for doing uh, boating and fishing and, and hiking and biking and, and swimming. And, um, maybe not all at the same time, and all in one day, but uh, made time for it. Um, where was my notes? Um, he always made time and made made a made it a point to to take all of his grandkids out to on his adventures and, and camping. And he was a big part of, of us grandkids, I think. And um, I think I speak for all the grandkids, um, whether they'll be able to remember him or not. It always it always seemed like uh, Grandpa was always a, a man that that wanted to spend time with his grandkids, uh, whether it was helping with projects or. Um, whether big or small projects, whether it was just giving advice on, on what you're doing, or he would even offer a lot to, to help with the things that you're doing if he could. Um, uh, he always, if, if you were with him, he always made it a point to talk to you um, about you, whether it was about your day, how life was going. Um, he was a big influence of life. I really looked up to him. Uh, quite literally, because I got the the, uh, the short jeans, <laughs> and uh, but I, I really did. He was a hero to me. Um, he was a hero that uh, nothing could stop him. And, uh, I really loved him. He meant a lot to me. I can't read my notes, but I him. <laughs> um, he was a man of God. Now that I have a family, um, I really have a lot of more respect for him. Um, sorry. <laughs> so, um, I should have got this out earlier. Uh, he raised eight kids, love the Lord, and uh, I can I thank him for. Uh, <laughs> I can really thank him for uh, why I grew up in a Christian family. And uh, I hope like him I can finish well his life. And uh, my heart hurts a lot. But my soul is at peace. All of these in the hands of Jesus. I will see him soon. I'm really excited about seeing him again, and uh, I don't, I don't have a lot, a lot of time to talk about it. I, I can't talk about it very long, so I'm going to hand it off to, to Isaiah and talk a little bit about it. I hope I was able to share a little bit. I thought I was going to be able to keep it together, but he kind of ruined that for me. Luckily, mine's a little shorter. Say my grandfather's. He was one of those people that when he came, he came in a room, I don't want to instantly respect him. I want his approval. Except 
you know, I'm, I'm the guy that spilled paint on the stairs, so I kind of lost, lost my shot of his respect. Um, one other thing what it means to be a man, I think of my grandpa. Uh, how he raised his kids. How he always invited for his family. He can keep straight faces on the same thing. I find that very impressive. I'm still working out. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, this, you know, we love the guns. You know, it's awesome. But you think that solid of a man, yet he could pull off wearing a dress better than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say my grandpa is by far my biggest role model in every aspect and he, he's inspired me and showed me just so much that I strive to be become the man of God the husband, father, and grandfather he was but yeah so that was, was going to be it So I don't have a, like a novel prepared or anything, but uh, when I think of Grandpa Dave, it was always, you know, Grandpa Dave and Grandpa Jim, Grandpa Dave. He was, uh, he was always like, I was intimidated by him because he was so stern and just a, it took me until I was probably 15, 16 to respect him, like really respect him. See the man everybody else saw. Who's that? And then um, when I finally got to start, you know, talking to him and getting to know him and really understand the world, I guess, and all this stuff. Um, he uh, became one of my one of my biggest role models through my the past couple of years. Uh, I aspire to be as like very authentic, genuine, funny guy. And he loves to talk. He loves to talk a lot. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I have a, a memory. Recently, at Christmas time, uh, we sat down and talked for like a good hour and a half about. You know what? I, what I was going to do with my life, all these things. He loves. He gives incredible advice, and, and yeah, I don't know, that's, that's all I got. I just—he's somebody I aspire to be. Great man, and uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you, guys. That's hard. Stephanie. And then Chrissy, you're up. Next? Tyler, Tyler's up next. Tyler's up next, okay. Yeah. So I wrote mine down. Um, we were told we were only allowed to talk for a couple minutes, and that's really hard because I want to say a lot about my dad. Um, I, I'm Stephanie, number four. Okay, so this is what I wrote, so I just stick to the script. <laughs> okay. When, let's see, my earliest memory of my dad 
is with me screaming as he lifts me up to the ceiling towards a spider. Cue my fantastic fear of spiders. Aside from other special memories including cuddling, leviathan attacks, and dad's famous giant pancakes, most of my memories include boating and camping. On the lake he would say, filthy rich at last. No matter if we were pumping poop together or biking through campgrounds, he always had a joke on his mind and a twinkle in his eye. When I thought he would disown me after I got a tattoo, his quick twinkle and devoted love were there to assure me I meant so much to him. There was nothing I could do to lose him. As I grew up, my appreciation and respect for Dad grew and expanded. I began to see more clearly the amazing man he was. His dedication to God and his family were so strong and inarguably the purpose to his life. There wasn't anything too important that he would miss church. And there wasn't anything he wouldn't do for his family. He was a good man, a man I'm proud to call my dad. I will miss his smile, his smile and joking. I will miss his steadfastness. I will miss his answers to all of my questions. I will miss his fancy outfits with matching shoes and sunglasses. His death has left a huge void in our family that will not be unnoticed. I am thankful for the hope we have in Jesus. And I will see him again, but in the meantime, I will miss my dad. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Tyler, uh, number six. <laughs> uh, to be honest, uh, it doesn't yet feel right to be talking about, about dad not being here. Um, like for many of us, uh, it feels sudden, unexpected, and lacks understanding. Uh, that said, um, Dad is the best there is. Um, his love for God, family, friends, and neighbors is truly astonishing. Um, he's been my father, friend, leader, and teacher. We go out on the boat in the middle of the lake at night and stare up at the sky. Uh, we'd wonder how big this, the sky is or how big space is how many stars and planets there are, um, how God created everything, uh, and how he has no beginning and, and no end. Uh, he'd say, um, he said our minds just can't comprehend it. It just meant a lot to think, to think about that. Uh, we'd go hunting, but <laughs> it wasn't much about hunting. Um, it was about coffee, donuts, <laughs> and exploring the woods, um, which we loved to do. Uh, nearly every road or trail that we saw, he would say, uh, I wonder where that goes. And, and we'd go. These types of moments have stuck with me and, and shaped my life. The fact is, uh, Dad is gone from this earth. But in some ways, he's, he's still here, within us. Um, Dad had a huge impact on my life, and um, for many of the lives, uh, many other lives of people who know him. Um, I find comfort in knowing, uh, I find comfort in knowing that he is with our Father, still wandering and still exploring uh, the streets of gold. And I'm very much looking forward to joining them again one day. Love you guys.
Hi, I am the oldest, and because of that, I have been assigned the task of reading four more letters, <laughs> plus my own. So I'll do my best. Um, first, from me, my dad was a steadfast follower of Jesus. He was a tender, loving husband to my mother. He was a faithful leader of his family of three generations. Um, his personality and presence were known and felt by many. His sense of humor was undeniably funny. He passed on his love of donuts, coffee, and funny cake. He taught us to enjoy hiking, camping, exploring, boating, shooting, and hunting and fishing. He showed us how to change oil and brakes and spark plugs in our cars. He did his best to support us and take care of us in all the various stages of our lives, from babies and kids to adults with spouses and families of our own. He could talk your ear off with just about any topic, especially topics of God, country, and faith. His absence leaves a huge void in our lives and in this world, and he has left a deep legacy of faith for all of us to remember and draw upon for years to come. I am beyond broken that he is gone, but I am confident that he is enjoying heaven, and I will see him again one day. The next one is from Stacy. She's the third of this. I guess we'll just get numbers out from now on. Um, my dad lived big, and this loss is big. There is no way a few sentences can sum up my dad. And this is not a few sentences. So <laughs> God is the rock of our family. Dad was the foundation our family was built on, and my mom is the structure that keeps us together. That foundation was Dad's love for the Lord, his love for his wife, his love for his kids, and then for their families. Dad loved to give us a hard time. He liked to throw dirty socks in my face, give nasty, sweaty hugs, and of course, throw me off the boat and scare me about fish. Dad also would do anything for any of his kids. I had a super low point a few years ago sobbing on my bathroom floor, FaceTiming with my dad. Dad said, what do you need me to do? I will do anything you need me to do. That unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness that Christ gave was what my dad displayed with his children. If I could love the way my dad loved, then I know I would be doing something right. My dad never wavered in what he believed or in what he lived by. My dad would find humor in all situations, even when life would land him a blow. He could pick himself up again and keep moving forward. My dad has been a role model to my kids, from fix it yourself to have fun and laugh, what a marriage should look like, what a father figure should look like, and to what having a personal relationship with Jesus is. I will miss the phone calls on how to fix things or what color paint to use, all of my car questions. I do not always get to live near my parents as an army wife, but Dad has always been a phone call away. I'm thankful for the foundation, memories, and stories that my dad left us with. My dad talked the talk and walked the walk. Anyone that met him knew he loved the Lord, loved his family, and he loved his country. He will be truly missed every day. Okay, thank you. Okay, from Valerie, and uh, Valerie is number five. <laughs> I have countless fun and precious memories with Dad that I'll look back on often and treasure for the rest of my life. But perhaps the most important thing both of my parents faithfully modeled and instilled deeply in me is a profound reverence for and ultimate surrender to the Lord, regardless of circumstances or preference. 
This deep-rooted faith and surrender informed and shaped Dad's life. Indeed, it shaped so much of mine. Dad requested, It is well with my soul, to be sung at his memorial service. And I can't help but think, isn't that just like him? To take this hard thing and once again lead us faithfully and courageously back to the feet of the Father in surrender to the Lord's will and his way, even when we don't understand it. And so today, when sorrow like see those roll, we honor Dad and follow his lead. We stand before the Father in his enormous shadow of faith and say, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I sure do love and miss you, Dad. What an absolute honor to be your daughter. From Lindsay, number seven. My dad, there's a lot I could say about him. Amazing memories and endless jokes. From a very young age, my dad was one of my most favorite people. At age seven, I was baptized on my dad's birthday, and I will never forget that day and how proud he was. I remember the time he took my brother and I on a hike up above Crescent Bay, and we ended up lost in someone's yard using our hose to get hydrated because we had no water, and then having to hitchhike back up to the campground entrance. I told my dad I would never hike with him again, and I didn't. He always loved exploring no matter where we were, he kept situations lighthearted, and always had a joke to tell. I'll never forget all the times we had camping, boating, and fishing during the summers, and how I woke up early one morning to help him dress up as Rebecca Black for his students at school. If you think I'm weird, now you know where I got it. <laughs> Although my parents had eight kids, my dad always did a great job at making me feel loved and important. He taught me to be God-fearing and to always keep my faith no matter what. I will forever miss helping him pick out a new pair of oversized glasses and my daily meaningless FaceTime calls. I love you, Dad. And finally, from Jessica, number eight. Honestly, this has been hard to process, and I haven't yet. My dad was so many great things, but one thing I always noticed was he was just pure loyal. Loyal in his faith and loyal to his family. He listened, paid attention, asked questions when necessary, and when someone needed his help, he was always willing. Even in times when I thought I was going to be in trouble, he showed me more grace than I ever expected. Dad told me and showed me how much he loved me regardless of things I had done. When we would go to him with a problem, he would give us the look. The look of, what? What's wrong now? And shake his head, and then sit there, ask what the problem was, and kind of stare at us. But... He would still come through to help us. He made sure we were all okay in any situation. He made jokes and kept things lighthearted. He showed me what it means to be there for family when they really need it, and what it means to hold on to your faith all the way to the end. And because of that example, I know how I want to live. I believe last is Scott. Please tell us what number you are. Yeah, so um, I'm number two. First son, though. So, first son. so I'm going to start by just telling you about this coat. This coat is awfully big on me, right? Um, but here's what the deal is. is uh, My dad bought this coat to wear to this church, and uh, he never got to wear it. So I went to his closet, and a lot of the boys got to go and get grandsons and everything, got to pick out some coats and my mom asked if I'd wear it, so I unwrapped it and put it on. And you can see I kind of, it kind of is huge on me. You know, my dad was a big guy, and 
Um, I, honestly, it, it, I feel like his little boy wearing it. I don't think, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't know how to explain that. It just feels really weird. Um, so I don't fit in the, the coat very well, and I guarantee you I probably never will be able to fill his shoes. He uh, was a good man. Whether you called him dad or grandpa, great-grandpa, Dave Wood, Mr. Wood, or Mo, master of excellence, um, all those names demanded his respect. You could just feel it. It also fully deserved his respect. And why? Why would it deserve that kind of respect? Because he was a man of faith, a man of strength, a man of courage. He was a leader. He was a watchman. If you guys know what a watchman is, it's talked about in the Bible. Um, and uh, he definitely was that. He knew his role. He was a friend. He was a teacher. He was a family man. He was a helper. You heard that. Uh, my sisters all saw how much of a helper he was. He was a doer. He definitely did this stuff. Uh, you know, if you needed something, he was there for you. Um, he was absolutely a patriot of this country and a gun enthusiast. I want to thank everybody for coming. I really want to thank this church, honestly. I'm not done with my talk, but I really wanted to thank everybody uh, on behalf of my family for showing up and showing uh, your appreciation to my dad. And you can see um, how much of an impact he's had in this community just by the letters. Um, I, th- I thank the church, honestly, because my dad um, was without a home church here for just a little while because of COVID. And uh, we uh, were meeting at my house. And we finally decided to step out and try to find a church. And he said, I tried this little church in Amboy. And he uh, just fell in love with this little place. And, uh, and uh, got to know Bob right here and said, man, that is a man of God right there preaching the Bible. And uh, it was amazing how God timed that because it was only a short time from June until now. And uh, didn't even become a member of the church. We got to spend time with his pastor. He ends up passing. And the church said, we got you. We're going to have the funeral here. We'll take care of everything. That is an amazing heart that this church has. So thank you so much. Um, So my dad, I want to get back into me and my dad and my family. Uh, My dad raised me to um, find a Christian wife. That was his number one thing. As he raised me up, he said, you you find yourself a Christian wife. You are my future, right? That's my future. This is my biggest investment. You find a Christian wife that will and can stay at home to raise your kids for Christ. He said, you make sure you support that family, even if you have to take two jobs, three jobs, I don't care, you find one really good one. And, uh, you know, I thought, man, this is impossible. How am I going to do this? I was working at McDonald's at the time. I had to work my way up through some stuff. <laughs> I thought, how am I going to do this? He goes, go to college. I was like, I don't really want to go to college, you know. So I'm like, I constantly am trying to support my family. Um, but I got to watch how my dad... Uh, did this. You know, he was a role model to me in this, and I watched him model this. I watched how my dad took care of us. He made sure my mom could always be home and help raise and cook for all eight kids. My mom loved cooking, didn't you, Mom? You know, he did this even if he had to work long days. He worked some really long days, and I had to do that as well. As I started my business and started doing stuff, I learned from my dad what it was to work long days to make sure that family could be home, to feed them. Uh, he uh, said, um, I watched him take on two jobs when we moved out here. He had bankruptcy and we moved out here. He was working two jobs. I would help him set satellite dishes. Uh, he was working weekends. He didn't believe he should work Sundays. And there was times where he had to work those weekends and work Sundays. And I watched him do that. And because of his determination for providing for his family, he was so determined that God provided through that hard work for all these years. Never once did my mom have to go to work. And uh, you look around at all the testimonies you just heard, and you start going, man, that family that family was raised right. And uh, so, um, you know, my dad was kind of a prepper of sort. You guys heard that he would watch those uh, shows. 
He had water tanks. I have no idea how he has them set up. I've got to figure that out exactly. I might have to watch some of his shows to figure it out, maybe. Uh, he had life straws and generators. He had lots of ammo. So now I even have more ammo. So I'm going to have to do some shooting, probably. Um, he ended up getting lots of toilet paper, probably like everybody in this room. There was a big scare. We all ended up with toilet paper, you know, for the last couple of years. He was prepping, right? So... But uh, the one thing he did was he planned ahead to make sure my mom was taken care of if he were to pass. Not that we thought he was going to pass this soon, but he started making plans financially all the way to the grave site. We just buried him this morning, and what he did was he made sure that that grave site was right against the road because my mom can't walk very well. So he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a grave site right here. She can just drive up if it's raining. Does it ever rain here? I don't know. She can look out the window and just say, hey, Dave. Hey, Woody. Right, Woody? (laughs) And, uh, you know, he thought about that stuff, and uh, that was pretty amazing. So it really surprised me how prepared he was. Um, as he talked to me, as he was laying there in the hospital, he started talking to me. And those were some hard conversations I was having with my dad. Uh, he, um, he told me how, what, he, what to do with my mom, how to take care of her, what to do with all this stuff. And he really had time to think it all through. Not only just sitting there thinking about finances, he was praying to God and asking God what to do. And I could hear it. I listened to it. He, it was amazing. He was very detailed. It amazed me. Um, he just kept prepping and preparing for everything. He was always seeing what was coming and was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. I guess sometimes he wasn't quite prepared. The, the floor was, the carpet was ripped out from under him a couple times, but he got back up and kept going. But because he did all that, it makes it easier uh, to put things together and try to figure everything out at this time. Uh, Dad made sure to teach us about God and the gift of salvation. He taught us the importance of serving God and giving our life to Him. He knew his job, like I said before, was to be a watchman for his family. If he saw us hanging out with the wrong friends, he would warn us. If he saw us starting to go down a wrong path, doing something wrong, he would correct us. If he saw a need at all, he would help any way possible, whether it was working on cars, which he hated being a mechanic, but he was an amazing mechanic. His boat, he rebuilt, it was in a box, totally blown up engine. He rebuilt the thing at, what, 21, 22 years old, something like that. And the thing still runs to this day. And he goes, I don't even know how I did it. I just started putting parts together. He just just had that skill. So he, he would help people with cars. He would help me with wiring. And as he did, he always would joke and act like he got electrocuted because I had no idea what wire would wear. He would go if people needed washers and dryers. And uh, he would find some on deals and buy them and take them to kids. And he'd fix them if they broke. Now I don't know what I'm going to do if they break. I guess I just have to buy a new one. I don't know. So, and even during COVID this time, my dad, uh, he ran around. It was pretty neat to watch him. He would run around during door dashing. He would take off and he would uh, take everybody to medicines. We had little medicine packs for COVID. And uh, he would run them around and he didn't stay long to visit. He'd kind of throw it out the window. But he was driving all over the place, whether it be St. Helens or down to Oregon. My sister who lives in, I don't know, back east. Um, she uh, needed some uh, some medicine, and he decided to ship it. It cost him over $100 to get it to her overnight, and he just did it because he knew she needed it. Dad knew his job as a son, going back here a little ways, was to honor his father and mother, which he absolutely did. He went as far as to never, people think this is crazy, but he never grew a beard. You would never see a beard on his face. I actually had to shave it off of him while he was in the hospital. He would never grow a beard because his parents hated him so much. And he believed in the promise that God makes. Honor your father and mother, obey your parents, and you will live a long life. And you go, man, 70, that's not a long life. Because it doesn't seem long to us, right? But dad lived through two bad car accidents. One was amazing. I showed up on scene. I could not believe it. The car was pinned against the hillside. 
And he was worried about my mom's fork because my mom was in the hospital. And I, he goes, Scott, you got to get that fork or I'm in trouble. And he literally had one scratch on his head. The car flipped upside down a couple times. It was laying upside down. The window's broken out, pinned against the hillside. I walked over to get the fork and I was like, Dad, how did you get out of this car? And he goes, I don't know. I mean, it was open. And I said, well, I, don't, I can't even get in there. And I promise you, God moved the hillside because it was not Dad's time, okay? Two bad car accidents. He lived through a major lung sickness in 2007. We thought he was going to die. He bought a suit. The suit he was buried in today, we thought we were going to bury him in back in 07. And you go, look, how bad of a sickness was it? Bernie Mac, if everybody knows who Bernie Mac was, died in 08, right after my dad was miraculously healed from it one day in Seattle. He went and had fish and chips, walked out of the restaurant, and was like, I can breathe. And it was just all of a sudden gone. So you go, man, he could have died all those times. But we knew with the lung damage from his previous sickness, it wouldn't mix well with COVID. It didn't keep my dad afraid. He still lived his life. But we knew it wouldn't go good. So I do believe that God gave him a long life. I heard that question being asked last night. My mom was talking to me about it. I do believe it was a long life. He got to see um, all his kids get married. He spent time with 23 grandkids. You heard the testimonies of those grandkids. Uh, He became a great-grandpa twice. And the word great-grandpa, he was already entitled to that great because he was a great husband, a great dad, and great-grandpa already before those kids came. Um, Dad loved this country. He loved guns. Dad always would wear a shirt, a hat that had a flag on it or NRA logos. He loved shooting and talking about guns. Dad and I would always uh, try to spend time together reloading in the last couple years because of the market. It's been really busy. We haven't had time. But we have lots of powder, lots of everything. I don't know what to do with all of it now, but uh, it was something we enjoyed doing together. So he loved talking politics, mainly um, to try to correct the left-wing ideas. Um, always hoping to make a difference so that America wouldn't erode and fall, which you see happening right now. He loved guns so much that he wanted to open a gun club at the church and Bob allowed it. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. We only got one, one meeting, but it was about heart. And my dad had the heart to do it um, because he wanted to share the passion of guns. He wanted to get people into the church environment that might be afraid to step foot in a, a church. And he um, wanted to be able to teach them and show them who Jesus really was. He wanted people to see that, uh, that as Christians, we can enjoy a common interest like guns or fishing or anything like that. And yet uh, we get to serve a God. And uh, we live our life for God. Um, Dad had a heart for God. He shared his faith with everyone, his family, his friends, his co-workers, anyone he came in contact with, even the doctors and nurses. We were on the phone with him, and he was actually saying, hold on, I can't talk for a second. I've got to talk to this nurse. And he would start telling the nurse about Jesus. They called us and said on a Tuesday, they said, your dad's going to die in about 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. And I'm like, how do they even pick that time? But I said, Mom, we got to go to the doctor. He's going to have a heart attack. We need to go there. So we go down there. And uh, I'm listening to him. We're watching him saying goodbye to all the kids, uh, saying, guys, I'm going to be walking on the streets of gold real soon, real soon. We're all like, this is so weird. How do you all of a sudden say that you're walking on the streets of gold? We do not understand this. But we realized what was actually happening, and uh, we won't get into all that right now. But we realized what was happening, and we stopped it. And uh, we said, uh, no, this isn't going to happen right now. And uh, so my dad, um, my mom said, wait a minute. We let God tell us when we're going to die. And uh, it looks like he's still here, so he's not dead yet. Uh, do you believe in Jesus? And uh, the guy goes, no, ma'am, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe that. And my dad said, what? 
Doctor, his face is literally face down on the pillow because they can't tell you to lay on your stomach. Face down on the pillow, lips are dry. I'm sitting there putting ice on his lips, trying to make it so he could talk. And he said, Doctor, come here for a minute. And he was standing behind him, so he had to come around. And he goes, all right, get down lower. And, uh, you know, he has oxygen getting blown in his nose. And, uh, you know, it's hard to understand him. And he goes, get down here, doctor. And the doctor, men's son, goes, no, I'm telling you, get down closer. And he got down closer, and he goes, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about Jesus. And he started telling about Jesus and uh, the grace of God. And uh, he said, the only wish I have for today is that if I do die, that I get to see you in heaven. So <clears throat> my dad finished the race well. He finished it strong. Second Timothy 4, uh, Paul tells us to run the race. Run a race. It's... And then in Acts 20, 24, it says, My life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me, which is telling the good news about the grace of God. And that's exactly what my dad did. So dad knew the importance of sharing the gospel. He knew that based on Matthew, listen to this, everybody, Matthew 24, 32-34, if you do not know this, you need to study it. How He wanted everybody to know how close we were to the rapture. It says, When Israel blossoms again, and when Israel blossoms again, 1948, they became a nation again. He wanted everybody to hear that prophecy. When they blossom again, that generation will not pass before Jesus Christ returns. That is what Jesus told the disciples. We are so, so close. And he knew that. He wanted everyone to hear the gospel and understand the prophecies so that they would be ready for what is coming. He would point out how the stuff in the world, the stuff happening in the Middle East, you won't see it on the news, are a sign of the times. Pay attention to Ezekiel 38 and 39. It all lines up exact, all the way down to Damascus and what's going to happen there. So it lines up with the prophecies allowing us to see how short of a time we have here and that we are going to be hearing a trumpet very soon. My dad wanted to be one of the ones who we called it Enoch out of here. He wanted to be Enoch out of here. And that is because Enoch, if you know the story, did die. He started walking with God, right? Went right into heaven. And he and that's what he wanted. So, knowing how close we are, he would lay in bed and he would say, he goes, you know, Scott, it's not going to be long. He goes, it's not going to be long. He goes, I might be up there before you. He goes, but it won't be long and I'm going to see you very soon. He goes, you make sure you tell as many people as you can before it's too late. He wanted to make sure that we all knew that we don't have to be sad knowing that he is now walking those streets of gold that he loved to sing and talk about constantly. So, Dad said over and over again, at my memorial service, tell people about Jesus. That's all he really wanted over and over again. He said, please tell people about Jesus. So Bob is going to come up and tell you about your gift, gift of salvation. Thank you. When it comes to the, the dash of Dash of Dave, he got it right on this side of heaven. He, he got it right on this side of life. But what happened next? That's what I want to talk with you about just for a few moments. In the Gospel of John, Jesus had just told his disciples that he was going somewhere. Somewhere they could not come. For Jesus knew that that in just a matter of days 
He alone would bear the sins of the world on the cross. Three days later, he would be resurrected. And then he would ascend into heaven. Jesus knew this was coming very quickly for him. This was all part of God's plan of redemption. But his disciples did not understand any of this until after the fact. Well, as you might imagine, the disciples did not take this news very well. For Jesus was their Lord. He was their wise and patient teacher. He was their loving friend. Their brother. And understandably, this parting news was very difficult for them. Jesus knew this. He could see that they were stunned and struggling. So he responded with some very encouraging words. Words I want to share with you today. Jesus said in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then he said, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, I love Thomas. He's actually normal Thomas, not doubting Thomas. I love Thomas. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus responded, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. This is a very encouraging passage. Many deep truths and comforting thoughts are found here. And I want to draw out just a couple of them for you today. And the first is this. Even in difficult times, in times just like this, peace 
can still be found. Jesus said, and I'm paraphrasing, do not let your heart be troubled. Keep believing in God and have the same trust in me. That's what he meant. And in context, Jesus was speaking about the feelings of distress and confusion the disciples were having after being told he was going away. But Jesus wasn't abandoning them. Rather, he had to go on ahead of them. Like a shepherd. Like a shepherd. To do something only he could do for them. I'm reminded of the picture painted for us in the 23rd Psalm. You know that psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest. We want to hear about the green pastures and the quiet waters. That's where we want to be led in this life. But sometimes we have to walk through the valley. That place we do not want to walk. But here, even in the valley, we find where peace comes from. For we are told that the good shepherd who leads us to those green pastures, and quiet waters in life is the exact same good shepherd who walks with us through the valley. He's the same good shepherd who loves us, who knows us, and who leads us. And he's the same good shepherd who wants us to know him. And to trust Him. You see, Dave was at peace in the valley. His family will tell you that. For he knew his good shepherd was with him. But not only that. Dave also knew that his life was not over. In so many words, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going away. 
As your shepherd, I need to go ahead of you. Yes, I know this, this troubles you. But I am going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house in heaven. And when your time comes, I'll be there. And we will be together again. What an incredible promise Jesus made. And in his promise, we learn that heaven is a real place. Not a product of our pie-in-the-sky imagination. And if Jesus has prepared a place for us in heaven, as he said, then we can fully expect to live in that place with him. So life isn't over. Years later... The same John who wrote this gospel passage wrote the book of Revelation where he got a rare glimpse of heaven. He wrote down for us what he witnessed. But you could tell it was a struggle for him for there were times when he fought To find the words to describe what he was seeing and hearing. He was witnessing things, things far beyond his own personal experience and comprehension. Overwhelmed by the hues of vivid colors. Almost indescribable images and heavenly beings and the sounds. Sometimes sounds of ominous silence. And other times sounds of thunderous praise and celebration. It had to have been a challenge for John as he sought to put into words what he was privileged to experience in heaven. But this he said with complete and clear certainty. There's no more crying. No more sorrow. No more pain. And no more death. Those in heaven are blessed. They are happy. They are satisfied. They are fulfilled. And they are content. And it suggests that for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, the best is still yet to come. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with a a terminal illness. And she was given three months to live. So as she was getting her things in order, she contacted her pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. 
She told him which songs she wanted sung at the service. What scriptures she wanted read. And what outfit she wanted to be buried in. The woman also requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order. And as the pastor was preparing to leave, the woman suddenly remembered something very important to her. There's one more thing, she said. What's that? Came the pastor's reply. This is very important, said the woman. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing what to say. That surprises you, doesn't it? The woman asked. Well, to be honest, I am puzzled by the request, said the pastor. Then the woman explained. In all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, I always remember that when the dishes were cleared, someone would lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew something better was coming. Like a red velvet cake or deep dish apple pie. Something sweet and wonderful and of substance. So I just want people to see me there with a fork in my hand and I want them to wonder, what's up with the fork? (laughs) Then I want you to tell them, keep your fork. The best is still yet to come. Dave is not here. But he lives nonetheless. He has simply passed from this life to the best life. An unimaginable life. An indescribable life. An everlasting life. In fact, if you think about it, Dave is actually more alive than we are. Think about that. And that truth leads me to my final thought. And it is this. Jesus has provided the way to experience this eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. That's an incredible statement by Jesus. A very bold statement. And how could he say that? Because Jesus knew. After making that statement. He was on his way to an old 
rugged cross. To pay a sin debt he did not owe. Because we had a sin debt that we could not pay. Jesus paid our sin debt in full on the cross with his very life. That was the required payment. And then Jesus rose from the grave to prove who he was, who he said he was. The Son of God. The Savior of the world. The sacrificial lamb God had sent to take away our sin. His resurrection from the grave confirmed who he was. And it also verified that what he said was absolutely true. His message was true. And his message was this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting That's the gospel message. That's the good news in a nutshell. Because of the Father's love for us, He sent His Son, Jesus, who offered Himself on the cross as full payment for our sin. Jesus sacrificed His life for ours. And then Jesus said, Whosoever believes in Him, would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus is the way in which we must follow. He is the truth in whom we must believe. And He is the life for whom we must hope. Dave trusted Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Dave knew that before Jesus could give him eternal life and a heavenly home, he had to first give Jesus his heart. And right now, as I speak, Dave is experiencing the very best of life. Hope this doesn't come out wrong. Maybe the worst day of your life was February the 7th, 2022, when Dave passed away. But let me tell you the truth. Your worst day was the best day of Dave's life. As he stepped into eternity. And I know there would be nothing that would please Dave more. Even now. There is nothing that would, would cause a greater celebration in heaven than to see others place their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord.
Let's close in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for each moment we had with Dave. I ask that you provide comfort to those in sorrow and to draw us nearer to you. I pray that your grace would reign upon us and I ask that you give us peace that passes all understanding that comes from knowing and trusting you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes our service, but if I, I would I would ask you to, if you feel free to stick around and maybe to enjoy some fellowship. And we also have uh, we're Baptists, so we got a lot of food, a lot of a lot of finger food uh, back here. So, and also just so you know, uh, I'll I will linger around. I will I will. And so, if you feel like that you need to talk, if if, if you feel the Lord moving you and you feel like you need to talk to somebody, I will make myself available to you. Okay? God bless.